Hi, I'm Penny. And I'm Jo. And together we're... Unripe. We're two Australian women. Actually, I'm a Kiwi. And I'm Italian. We're on the other side of 40 and we've never had kids. We're not experts, we're just like you. We're trying to understand our place in the world to find a community of women who are childless by circumstance or child-free by choice. We're here to talk about IVF, being childless and single, childless and married or in a relationship, abortion, losing friends to motherhood and everything that people just don't talk about on these subjects. Who knew how hard it could be to find a group to talk about this stuff? We are a tribe hidden in plain sight. So we're going to talk about it all. The good. The bad. The freedom. The loneliness. The judgment. And the possibilities when you're a childless woman. We want to make these conversations part of the mainstream. We invite you to join us. Hi, Joe. Welcome back to another week. Another week. Another week. Do you know what we're going to talk about this week? We're going to talk about when did you know that you weren't going to have children? So that could be the the differences between being child-free by choice or childless by circumstance. Mm, because there's a difference between when did you decide and when did you know, right? Exactly. Yeah, total yeah. difference. And you actually asked our Facebook community this question, didn't you? I did. I did pop this in, I think, maybe uh, recently. I got... Actually, and quite interesting because I put a response in for myself as childless by circumstance. But what I found was that there was significant number of responses anecdotally telling the story of what that was from child free by choice. So those people who were really clear from an early age were really clear on when that was for them. And it felt that those who were by circumstance either couldn't pin a, a time on it is that because they didn't actually make a clear decision? They were sort of ambivalent, yeah. didn't, they were doing other things, didn't find the right partner, weren't really focusing on it one way or the other? Yeah, and, you know, it could be that there's a whole raft of different things that happened. You know, at one point you could think that my story is complicated. It's not clear for me. Yeah, I think I've said it before that I never wanted to have kids, but I was sharing something with my husband, with Jeff, uh, the other day about one of the things I remember when I was a teenager, because I never really wanted to have kids, I thought to myself, okay, if I'm going to have kids, I want to make sure I have kids by the time I'm 28, right? And I I, ha- I can't have a, a one child because there's no way I'm going to have an only child because I am an only child and mm-hmm. I know how yeah. horrible that was. Fair enough too. So yeah. I need to have at least two kids by the time I'm 28. Oh, by the time yeah, I'm 28? Yeah, yeah, I wanted to finish. Wow, by the, okay. If I was going to – so this was an if I was going to have kids. It had to be by the so time I was 28. you're starting by the time you're 27 if we just kind of yeah, so have them exactly, back to back. right? So back to back really have to start by about 25, 26, right? Give it a few months in between for things to get stitched up down there. But that meant I wanted to be with someone for at least two years before having kids with them, right? And that meant that I needed to be married – because I didn't think there was an, an alternative back then, right? Of course. So that meant I needed to be married two years, but I wanted to get to know someone before marrying them at least two years. So if we start working our way back from 28, three years to have two kids, two years in the marriage, two years to get to know the person, that meant I would have to have been 20, 21 years old when I met my dream boat. And I thought... That's not fucking going to happen. Do you know that this is a a thought process that a heap of women actually go through? 
This is not an uncommon thought process. Really, the, the, the reverse backwards. calculating. <laughs> Absolutely. Makes you, sense. Yeah, and particularly, I mean, you were privileged thinking about that when mm. you were in your teens, yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. But a lot of people, a lot of women are having that those thoughts when they're in their 30s, maybe late 30s. Mm. I actually read something um, or saw something that Jodie Day recently did where she was 42 and working it out going, yeah, it's not going to happen. No, no, <laughs> absolutely. I think I read that same one where she said, okay, I'm 42 now. I still haven't met someone. I still need to meet someone. Then we have to sort of maybe know each other for a little while. And, oh, that's going to take me into 45, 46. Is, yeah. So this idea of when did you realise, Jodie Day is a really good case because she always wanted to have children but it wasn't until she actually she didn't oh did she no i just read something this week which said when she met her husband they agreed that she said i don't want to have kids they were very open about it and he agreed and it wasn't until maybe three years later that she decided that she did want to have kids Huh. And that's when they started their journey with IVF. Did she agree to not having kids? It came from her. It, it was her discussion. Her. Yeah. And he he agreed to that. So when they got married, they'd had that conversation up front and agreed that they wouldn't. And then what just changed? naturally, what yeah, she, she felt whatever it was, you know, three years later. When did you decide? Well, not decide, but when did you... No. This it's such a great question and it's a it's a good question to ask. When I was in my late 30s, I would say that I was definitely uh, going through a grief process. I had not been with a partner who I thought I could have kids with hadn't met the right guy, and I also without really being aware of it, I was grieving that I wasn't having kids. Had gone and had a conversation with someone through IVF, decided not to do that. Then I, I went away. I took some time off and went, I just need to process how I'm feeling. Came back and went, right, I'm going to try and do this IVF thing and I'll do it on my own. Went through that process. But at the end of it, I decided that I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to become a single parent. So do you feel that that's when you decided? Yeah. So that's when I had control of that decision to not have children. Okay. So I felt really happy. I was, I think at that point I was about 42. Went, okay, cool. Let's get on with life and get on with what my life will look like without kids and Excellent. So we've got a twist. (laughs) Uh, A year or two later, I met someone who was everything that I um, had been looking for. And quite shockingly, and I'm not sure who was more shocked, myself or him, I fell pregnant. So at 44, I was pregnant and a bit scared. I I was a range of emotions. I had two scans. I had one where I heard a heartbeat, had the second, there was no heartbeat miscarriage. So all over again, I had this sense that I was going to, I had imagined what it would be like to have a child and go into that whole process thinking, have excitement, have building a world in front of me of what it would look like. And then bam, it wasn't going to happen. All it did was bring up all of that feeling that I had when I was going through an unknown grief in my late 30s. Now I knew exactly what it was after this miscarriage, 
which I could put words to that I was unable to do in my late 30s because what was a single person doing, grieving, being childless? Like it was just not a something that came up in conversation. So as far as my decision, I decided at 42 on my own terms that no, this wasn't going to happen for me and then went through it all again. And it was much tougher the second time around after a miscarriage because... Wow, <sighs> there's a lot of reasons you had made that decision and then all of a sudden you'd be made this promise and then it was like, yes, sorry, nah. That's right. And that's a tragedy. I did IVF previous to that, never wanted children, except for that little conversation I'd had with myself as a teenager. If I am going to have children, this is how it's going to be. Joe, can I take you back a little bit? Yeah, sure. So you, when you told that story about what your your picture would look yeah. like and yeah. you're, you're like, you worked that out, you got married. What age, what age were you when you got married? I got married at 25, which is ridiculously young, right? So now when for, we look for back, now, yeah. I, and at the time in the 90s, you know, none of my friends was getting married, married that young because we were, all, we were all at uni, we were all living the dream. Why would we want to get married, right? Was that part of your discussion? Like? Like we talked about, Jodie had that conversation when she got married. Did you and Jeff talk about it when you got married? Absolutely, like, did you want to have kids? Yeah, no, not at all. Not at all. Neither okay, of us. so both mutually. Both mutual. So, what got you to the point of deciding to go through IVF when you didn't want kids? I tried for about a year. Okay, but there's a point when you decided that you wanted yeah, to. Yeah. You changed so- your something mind. Something happened. You know, as I said before, I call it the blip years. You know, I, I don't know what shifted, but it, sh- it really shifted. And I suddenly, that's what I wanted. We decided to go through IVF, did the three cycles, but Jeff wasn't into it. Jeff was doing it for me and I knew it at the time but wasn't wanting to really pay much attention to that because I had a focus and that was getting pregnant. After the third cycle, I had to, we had a conversation and that is, what are we doing? Because if this is something that we don't really want, one, it's going to cost a lot of money (laughs) to do something we don't really want because we'd already spent a lot by that stage. But also, why would you go to all this trouble? Because it's a lot. It's a lot. Going through IVF is a lot. There's a lot of chemicals coursing through your body, a lot of hormones, a lot of stuff going on and a lot of hope every month when you, you have the implant and then two weeks later you get the test and it's like, oh, God, again, you know, and you've got a whole month of process after that. You know, you've you've got to want to do it. And I realized that Jeff didn't really want to do it. And maybe I didn't really want to do it. So we decided, but we decided kind of in a in a weird way, actually. We went away for the weekend. We went for a walk and had the conversation. We're like, all right, well, we're done then. Hey, that's what what do we do with the what do we do with the rest of the eggs? You know, what do we do with the embryos? Do we just leave them there in in Monash IVF? Do we kill them? I don't know. What do you do with with um a bunch of eggs? So yeah, that was it. That was over. But it wasn't until recently, the last few weeks, someone, a friend made a very casual comment that I realized I am really glad that that happened. I'm really glad that we decided not to keep pursuing it. And I'm only just now over it. I was very sad for a very long time. Do you think you can verbalize or articulate what that sadness was around? It's about missing out on a very big part of natural life. That's what the sadness is about. It's about missing out. It's FOMO. Lame, 
But that's what it is. It's not lame, by the way. <laughs> FOMO is real. It is real. Was it about you feeling like you missed out on an experience of motherhood or was it that you felt like this whole pronatalism society was saying that the right thing and the good thing to do is to have children? You Do you instinctually feel like you wanted to nurture your mother side or did you feel that it would have been the right thing to do and that you would have been accepted more as an individual? I don't think it's either of those things, actually. I don't have a very traditional nurturey side. <laughs> I think you would know that, right? I mean, I mean, I care about people, but I don't. I don't have, have a very well looked after animals. Can I just that's true. make sure that that's everyone true. knows that? So. But I don't have a particularly mothery side. It really is, and you know, because I'm an only child, I think the conversation's slightly different. It is about legacy. I realised that I had no legacy. And I joke about this whole idea of why bother keeping photos? Who are they for? You know, I've still got my wedding dress in a sealed box. Who am I keeping it for? It's all of those things are what made me sad. Why do I keep things? Why don't I throw that away? Who's it for? It was all about legacy. That's what it was about. So no, it wasn't about fitting in with society. But when all our friends were having kids and we weren't, we missed out on a lot. And when you say you miss, missed out, you missed out on them and their time. Is that what you mean by missed you out? You missed out on them and their time. And we also didn't quite get invited to things, which is fair because I never wanted to go to a one-year-old's birthday party, like like never. So part of me is really glad that I missed out on all those things, but part of me still feels like, but friendship's friendship, you know, I really wanted to maintain that. And you say that feels resolved in the last couple of months? Last couple of weeks. Something that a friend said. Something that made me go, huh. All she said, it was really offhand. It was nothing big. I was helping her with something and I spent a few hours helping her on it. And she just said to me, if you had kids, you wouldn't have had the time to help me with this. And I thought, she's right. And I'm really glad that I had the time to help her with this. And that's all it took. I'm going to reel back on my story. So now I feel, okay, I've dealt dealing with the, the grief after the miscarriage, which went for, was deeper and darker, I think, than the previous end of my 30s. And not really feeling that support for what I was going through either, through through people that I know and through through the health system. But as I'm coming through on the other side of it and I'm feeling, you know, more positive about life and what the future is going to hold for me, I can't help but retrospectively look back at what I was thinking when I was going through that process of, you know, did I, did I just not find the right person or was I not looking to create the right environment to actually meet someone who I would have a family with? Was it something that I didn't actually want and that I was telling my story that I wanted to have kids, but maybe maybe I, I just didn't. And I'm exploring that at the minute. I actually have a question about that. I remember when I was in my 20s, pre-marriage, we'd always talk, so sexist, I'm sorry about this, but we'd always talk about those desperate women. You always knew desperate women who were on the lookout, you know, looking for a husband so they could have family. You don't strike me as someone who was a desperate woman looking for a partner to have a family. Not at with. all. And that wasn't, that was never what my story was. And I do know 
know, without uh, yeah, without even calling them desperate, I think that those people were attuned. And I know those people too, right? I know those people who've made it their kind of their focus. It was their focus to find someone who that they could partner up with and have children because they didn't feel that they had their identity until they were, were mums. And I always used to feel a bit sad for them. So I clearly wasn't, in your words, desperate to, to find someone. Did you ever feel, shit, my time is starting to... 100%. Yeah. Though my longer term relationship in my 30s was with someone who wouldn't turn out to be a good father figure. We're still friends today and he's not gone on to have kids or be married. But that was definitely something that we had talked about. Then as I was going into that stage of grief, I had a relationship with someone who I would say was incredibly toxic. But at that point, I was like starting to think about and had a a failed IVF conversation. Maybe I was at that point feeling a bit desperate because this, you know, why on earth would I want to have a child with this toxic person? But I was feeling a little bit anxious that. Did you try? No, no, not at all. We might have had like a, a, a drunken conversation about it, but that was never went any further. Wow. Gosh, I haven't thought about that for a long time. At what point did you start to get more anxious about time? I think it was before I, even before I turned 40, that I was starting to feel anxious and feeling like, Penny, if you want to have kids, my internal dialogue was, you really need to be doing something about this now. You know, when I had the initial conversation with an IVF specialist, it was about freezing eggs. So you didn't think to yourself, I've got two options. One is go and get knocked up by just some random person and one is going and doing IVF. Yeah, I, and it just wasn't in my my story to get knocked up by someone. I'd rather, and that was what I ended up doing, I would rather have a donor sperm then get knocked up with someone who you'd have to still have some sort of relationship with possibly for the rest of your life. Well, that's right. Yeah. You'd still be connected with them. And, and maybe it was legitimizing it for me that I was doing it through a process rather than mm. having, you know, a story that was a little scandalous. Hey Penny, guess what time it is? Stats time. When was the moment that you knew you were no longer going to have children? And for some, that's a really grey question. It may have taken time to realise or it may have been made earlier in your life or it's been decided for you and life just didn't work out that way. Just this week, actually, when I spoke to my female doctor, was a phone call checkup, I got talking about the lack of awareness on women without children. She couldn't recollect the medical term for it. She agreed that psychologists couldn't don't call this out in their areas of expertise ever. And then after a bit more chat and checking, she said, here it is, the medical term for a childless person is socially infertile. Pronatalism at its finest in that <laughs> definition. How does that make you feel though? So socially infertile is someone who just hasn't had to find their, like, so I'm not socially infertile. I'm just infertile. Is that right? No, you're socially infertile. Socially infertile? Yeah. Anyone who's childless is socially infertile. That's the medical term. So I broke up the reasons for being um, without child into four areas. So three under childless by circumstance and one being childless by choice. For childless by circumstance, there's 
uh, those that fall under IVF and the failures. Latest average figures of all Australians show that 22.8% of fresh IVF cycles result in a live birth and 22.2% of frozen thawed embryo transfers resulted in a live birth. Is that in total? Birth rates were much higher for younger women. So yes, it is for total. If you were given a medication and were told this has a 25% chance of working, you'd kind of be pretty reluctant, right? I'm going to talk a bit more about that. So a quarter of all of the Australian IVF treatment is to assist women who are aged 40 or over. So that's a quarter. So of that amount, it's a large proportion of them are over 40, but only one in 100 people over 44 will deliver a live baby. Wow, 10%. There's a no no. Nat- one percent. One percent. Yeah. This yeah, is yeah. why I don't do the stats. See. Thank God for me. There's no <laughs> national legislation imposing a maximum age for IVF in Australia, and doctors are divided over whether there should be an age limit. So you could be 55 and decide that you wanted to go in and. Or 51, like me. I wonder if my eggs are still there. I think I had a couple left. You didn't crack them. This took me into a whole other side bit, which I think I really want to share, and it's the transparency in IVF. So there was an article in the ABC in 2017 where someone kind of told their story. And so for Kate, the lack of transparency around clinic success rates has sometimes left her wondering because six years after she finished treatment unsuccessfully, she was diagnosed with endometriosis. Okay, so this disorder affects one in 10 Australian women and occurs when tissue similar to the lining of the uterus grows in other parts of the body, causing scar tissue and it doesn't help. She said that she went to a gynecologist who said, I suspect you've had severe endometriosis for a long time and that's probably the reason your IVF didn't work. Although she didn't have extreme symptoms, it was never investigated as a possibility. Well, there's no money to be made, is there? Well, she said not only were tens of thousands of dollars wasted, but three years of holding out hope and having our hearts crushed. So earlier this year, Centre Alliance Senator Sterling Griff tabled a legislative proposal requiring greater scrutiny of the IVF industry. The bill is currently going through Senate. So I will put details of the bill in the show notes. That does sound interesting because I think there should be more transparency. Having said that, I can tell you right now that even though I knew what the chances were, I still did it. It's emotional. Because it's completely emotional. You're right. Okay. Okay, so that was the child by circumstance for IVF. Then I went into delayed childbirth. So an extract from the Life Fertility Clinic of Australia, 2018, said that more and more women are delaying the start of a family until their 30s and over 20% of women in Australia now have their first child after age 35. In that group, there's a, an increased risk of, risk of miscarriage. So a woman in her 20s has only a 12 to 15% chance of having a miscarriage. And a woman in her 40s faces an average, on average, 50% chance of miscarriage. So as women get older, their eggs are more likely to have abnormalities as well. But we still do it. Of course. Then I went on to just not meeting the right guy. An estimated 80% of women who don't have children are childless by circumstance rather than choice or medical reasons. So 
in something that Jodie Day wrote, uh, an article in 2016, her words were, perhaps the most difficult to digest reason for childness is that of never having been in a suitable relationship. And in our patriarchal society, to be past your childbearing years, having never been chosen, evokes antiquated images of being left on the shelf. If you think I'm exaggerating, think of how in just one generation the most shamed female stereotype has shifted from being an unmarried woman to being a single childless woman over 40. It's open season on her as all the crazy cat lady jokes show. Right, right, right. I obviously particularly related to that. Deakin University also wrote a really excellent article on why are childless women childless and findings from an exploratory study in Victoria, Australia, published in 2013 in the Journal of Social Inclusion. The reasons for childlessness included never having been in the right relationship as 46%. It was a really good article and I'll put the link for that in the show notes as well. It's funny how pretty much half of everyone who's actually had children also was not in the right relationship and had children anyway. Boom, boom. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That article that was written by Deakin University was one of the people that was involved in writing it was Melissa Graham. Melissa, if you're listening, I would love to talk to you some more because I've actually come across a few things that you've done in this field and I think that we'd have a really good conversation. You're going to talk to Melissa at some stage. I can feel it in my bloods. I, I in my waters. Me too. All right. So then that was the three things for childless by um, circumstance. Then I was looking at child free by choice. So Deakin's exploratory study did also look at child free by choice, as it's also called out how little study has been done in this field, despite the number of women who are now childless. So it noted the high number of women who chose not to have children. And it also found an area I hadn't included, which is that women didn't have children as they were in a relationship with a man who didn't want a child. Mm. Interesting fact. Tocophobia is an unreasoning dread of childbirth. Oh, you've just reminded me of someone I knew and she, if she saw a pregnant woman, it actually made her dry wretch. She actually wow. wanted to vomit. Tocophobic by the sound Tocophobia of it. Yeah. is what was going on for her. Wow. She has the name. I just thought it was stupid, but you know, you're telling me that's an actual condition Apparently or something. There's, yeah. a, there's a label anyway. Yeah. Mm. So for child-free people, anecdotally, women know at a young age when they choose not to have children. I've not really been able to find a study to confirm exact numbers. Wouldn't it be great if we had an expert on this topic? And? We're really lucky today to have Bronwyn Harmon, Dr. Bronwyn Harmon, come and join us to have a conversation about this. So that's my stats for today. Today, I am very happy to to share that we're going to have Dr. Bronwyn Harmon with us, who has a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology from Edith Cowan and a postgraduate diploma in Psychology and a Doctor of Psychology from ECU. 
So Bronwyn teaches at Perth University um, and she's a full-time senior lecturer of psychology since 2008 and teaches research methods and ethics, group processes and group management and family system theories. I first came across Bronwyn while watching an SBS Insight show focused on the child-free. It's our pleasure today to have Dr. Bronwyn Harmon on the show. Welcome, Bronwyn. Dr. Bronwyn. Tell us a bit about what you're doing, Dr. Bron. Okay, so what I am doing is my PhD, and why I'm doing a PhD when I when I already have a doctorate is not relevant to this situation. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm doing a PhD, and my topic is the attitudes toward people who are child free in Australia. Mm. What brought you to that particular study? My area of expertise is actually families and parenting issues. And I look at contemporary family issues. So I look at things like the attitude towards single mothers. I look at things like how stay-at-home dads are coping with being with stay-at-home dads and all sorts of things like that. And I kept getting asked by media if I had anything on people who did not have children. And I said, no, I did not. And I was asked so many times that I thought, okay, what I'll do is I'll just sort of throw up a quick study and I'll just be honest and tell you it was a quick study. I'll just throw it up on the internet get some data so that if people talk to me about not having children, I have something sensible to say. And that yielded such interesting results. So I thought, hmm, intriguing. And I thought, I know exactly what to do my PhD on. I have found this very interesting topic that has not been researched well in Australia, and that is where I am. The initial study was looking at the reasons why people are child-free or childless. And I did also a little bit of qualitative research at the time as well about their journeys toward not having children. Mm. So it wasn't a lot of in-depth information, but a lot of it was stats on the, on reasons why people were child-free or childless. So the idea that people don't have children by choice because they don't like children is actually not true, except for about 17 people in my study of 400 people. Was I one of those people? Possibly. <laughs> So yeah, it, it showed things um, like people people had forced response. They only had a limited number of responses and that was their best reason for not having children. So the vast majority of people who were child-free indicated they were child-free simply because they didn't feel maternal or paternal. So I've spent a bit of time looking at stats on this, Bronwyn, and I, I definitely found that there was a lack of stats around people who decided to be child-free by choice. And I, I don't know if you've got, you found anything that was more specific to that. It seemed to be that there was things that have been done around child-free by circumstance. So, you know, working out what if infertility looks like and perhaps uh, delaying childbirth. But that child-free by choice just doesn't seem to have the same research done behind it. Okay. Um, The issue that we have is not just whether it's child-free by choice or child-free by circumstance. The issue is that the ABS actually does not collect data on whether people are childless or child-free. And these are two different things. People who are child-free are people who do not have children at the moment, have no intention of having children at the present time. People who are childless are people who do not have children but do intend to have children at the present time. So basically, when the ABS collects their data, they just collect data on people who don't have children. And we don't know the percentage of those people who are child-free and the percentage who are childless. And at best, we have to do an estimate 
and or sort of use anecdotal evidence and extrapolate from there. So, Bronwyn, if I, as a 47-year-old, had decided, not decided, I wanted to have children, but because of circumstance, I haven't got, haven't had children, how would I fall into that? Because I technically, I, now I can't have children, um, just it's too late in age. I would think that I would be childless, but would you define me as child-free? Okay, so this becomes difficult because people, this is, this is one of my arguments in my research is that there is no actual way of putting people into one box that people belong in several boxes depending on where they are in their life course so I'm looking at a life course perspective and what that means is is that people can change their perspective along their life's journey so yes for now I would say that you are childless because under my definitions I'd say that you're childless because you did not have children, you didn't have a partner at childbearing years. Is that right? Correct. Yep. Yep, that's fair. Yes. So I would say childless. But then if you have then also now come to terms with that and decided that you probably really didn't want children anyway, I would call you perhaps child-free. And, and I'm, I'm sort of loath to put people in boxes myself. I prefer that you put yourself in your own box. <laughs> what box are you in, Penny? I know, but it's so open to greyness, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Everyone has a different yeah. view of what that box looks like for themselves. Yeah, because I was child-free until I was about 35 and then I decided I wanted to have kids. But then that was a blip, as we've talked about, only for a few years. And then I couldn't have kids, tried, didn't. And now I'm not really sure what I call myself. Mm. I'm still a little bit on, on the cusp there about child-free or child Whether you've gone back to child-free child free. identifying yeah. that you chose it or whether yeah. because you're unable to yeah. through IVF you feel childless. Yeah. So, Bronwyn, tell us about your PhD because that is more specifically talking about child-free women. Yes. So my first study was a qualitative research study and what I did was I collected demographic data People identify themselves as either child-free or childless. And then I asked them to talk about their their pathways to not having children. And then I sort of threw on a a question on the end at at, at random, which was how they thought society perceived them as people without children, which actually turned out to be one of those serendipitous things. It got a lot more information than I thought. So of that group, I found there were people who were childless and child-free, and I found subcategories, so people who were medically childless, people who are socially childless, people who are child-free by choice, people who procrastinated on having children. And then I sort of looked at how society viewed those people and uh, the childless said that they were viewed with pity, which matched up with previous research. People who are child-free by choice said they were viewed negatively. People who are childless child-free, the procrastinators said they were viewed positively. And so then we decided to measure the attitudes toward people who who were child-free. So what did you learn about the child-free women, how they got to that decision? Right. So the child-free by choice said that they were, most most of them said they were about 15 or 16 when they decided not to have children, but some were younger. Some said they were six, seven or eight years old when they realized they didn't want to have children. 
And they remember it being an active choice. They deliberately and actively chose not to have children at any time for various reasons, which I thought was really interesting. It's an interesting age. And I wonder if that's when perhaps they were becoming sexually active and so they were therefore thinking, is this something that I would want? Did they tell you some of the reasons for their decision? Was that part of the study? Yes, definitely. People were able to tell me their story, as much of their story as they wanted to in, in the way that they wanted their story told. Some of them said that they had had bad role models, that they weren't parented well themselves, and they didn't feel confident in their parenting abilities. Some said that they just didn't feel maternal or paternal, as that original study had said. And some said that they felt that there was something more. They valued their freedom. They wanted their, their life to be free of the responsibility of having children. And they had other things to offer other than just having children. So the second study was a little bit of a tricky one, really. It was one where I put up some vignettes. I looked at the attitude toward people who were child-free by my three categories, and it has not been done before. When people look at attitudes toward people who are child-free or childless, they look at them as child-free or childless as a whole, not through the different subcategories. And what that found for me, for my research, funnily enough, was that, yes, that people who are child-free stated that they felt that they were viewed negatively, but the second study said they were viewed positively, and the people who were, were procrastinators said they were viewed positively, but they are actually viewed negatively. To recap, the people who were child-free by choice felt that people viewed them negatively, but people actually viewed them positively. Yes. People who were procrastinators felt that they were perceived positively or not at all because they haven't made up their mind, yeah, but actually people were judging them more. They were saying, hurry up, make up your mind. No one likes, I think that's true. Yeah, no one likes fence sitters Mm. in in any way. I think that makes sense, right? That's what I think it is. I think Mm. no one likes fence sitters. No. The people might not agree with a child free by choice and their decision, but they respect the fact that they've made a choice. Your research deals with women 35 and older. Do you find that women are still ambivalent at 35 because they know there's still chair? A few things things to say to that, really. Um, The reason why I chose 35 was because the average age of people who seek IVF is 35. And so I thought, okay, people around 35 are starting to think about their fertility issues more and realising that tick-tock, tick-tock, the clock's ticking I'm going to get up, I'm going to get up. So that was one of the reasons I chose 35. The other reason I chose 35 was because I have research from other researchers who show that at age 35, most people have made a decision one way or the other about whether they're going to have children or not. And the other thing I probably should bring up at this point as well as I've just realised that I haven't said yet is that even though we have some people who label themselves as procrastinators, so people who say, I will have children, just not yet, are actually choosers who are too scared to say that. They've already chosen not to have children, but because they know they get a negative kickback from society or they think they're going to get a negative kickback, they say, I just haven't decided yet or I haven't made up my mind yet or I haven't found the right right person yet or whatever to try and stop people from giving them negative feedback. I'm reading Eat, Pray, Love at the moment for the first time. And in fact, Elizabeth Gilbert, when she's in Bali, she is asked about whether she has children and has a husband. And she has decided that the best answer there is not yet because that way nobody asks any questions and nobody makes any judgments. So it's really interesting that you're saying that. 
because that's what I was just reading about, which is funny. Yes, it's a very common response. A lot of people tell me they say that as a deflection, whereas they actually know they're not going to have children. Mm. I actually I actually partly think that, I, and I've thought about this um, from our earlier conversations, that perhaps I may fall into that group. I've got to think about it more, but I think that I may. I wonder it as well because, I, as I've said, I had absolutely no intention of having children until all of a sudden something, you know, my what I don't know what happened, but as I, I call it my blip years. So, you know, where I decided that I suddenly wanted to have them. So, yeah, I wonder if, in fact, I didn't actually want to have them, but I felt like better to try than, than not try. No, no regrets. No regrets, yeah. I think because there's so much societal pressure that it is the norm to have children, it's very easy to fall into exactly what you're saying, Bronwyn, to say, that, ah, yes, you know, yeah, of course, at some point uh, I'll have kids when maybe the truth is that I don't really want kids, Mm. but uh, I'm going to say what I think society wants me, wants to hear from me. Yes. And that's another one of my arguments is that pronatalism, the idea that that having children is just a natural life course decision is so rife in Australia. We're such a pronatal country that some people are too scared to say they're not in with the majority that they don't want children I don't think I've got a specific date when I decided it's just I've never felt anything for children 45-year-old Lovisa arrived in Australia from Sweden in 2008 thanks to her job in the automotive industry As the youngest of four daughters, both she and her older sister don't have kids. Penny and I spoke to Louisa recently about her experiences both in Sweden and in Australia as a child-free woman. We asked her when she decided not to have kids. When I was a kid, when my, my relatives with children, when I met these children, I just, it was just complicated they I don't like snot or vomits or things like that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> When they're screaming and behaving uh, irrational, then uh, no, it's never, ever appealed to me. So I don't think it's been a deciding moment saying this is, that's when I decided. It's just never been on the cards at all. One of my best friends, she's always been really, really into having kids she was a nanny and everything and she told me that as soon as as we get out of uni she was going to get pregnant (laughs) i just could not understand it it was so so beyond what my feelings are at a young age lavisa was curious about a couple who were family friends and didn't have kids and it influenced her by normalising the child-free life, that it's okay to not want children and to choose a different life. They were just so casual about that, no, we don't have kids. We decided to, we, we chose to travel and they had two dogs instead. They didn't make a big deal out of it. So that was, it felt really, well, how do you say it's comfortable? Yeah, it just confirmed to me that, yeah, that's, That's a normal thing to do. You can actually live without children. While we would like to think that gender equality is in place in every Australian family, the reality is that women take on more of the responsibilities around the home and with children. And while workplace flexibility is on the rise, having children is still complicated for Australian women who want to maintain their careers and their lives. 
Sweden, however, is like a different planet where men and women share the household responsibilities equally and children. So it seems that having children isn't such a fraught decision over there. Lovisa's decision was comfortable and normal. It is very equal gender-wise in Sweden. So it's easy to have children because parents, they split the responsibilities fairly equal at least. I don't remember ever having a serious conversation with my mum or my dad around kids. They knew I was doing IVF, but it was never a discussion. If anything, my mum has discouraged me from having babies, telling me that they're just too much trouble. Thanks, mum. When Lavisa told her family that she'd chosen not to have kids, it was not a big deal. When I've mentioned it, they've just said, oh, okay, yeah. And I've got three sisters. My oldest sister has never been into children either. And the two in the middle have children. So, and it's never been a question if we've never been pressured, me and my oldest sister, to have kids. I know my mother has commented and said that it's it's not unusual in our family, as in, in the family tree, to not have children. While in more recent years, Lavisa's social circle has meant that she's in the minority without kids, she agrees that there's a true benefit to attending kids' birthday parties that, frankly, I haven't really considered before, so... I don't mind going to birthday parties because... There's cake. Yeah, there's cake. (laughs) 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 And also, since my line of work is very male-dominated and I've always studied with guys and my best friends have always been men, it's easier for me to, to chat with the dads at birthday parties. So I've noticed here that it's usually the mums that run after the kids and make sure that they don't fall over. I've had a few comments from also relatives and friends saying that I'm, I'm selfish and for not contributing to the world. But I've always been very open about it. And if they can't deal with it, they, they can't. There's been maybe one or two relationships where I've also been very open that I do not want children. And for some reason, they thought maybe I'll change my mind. But then we've had to break up because they wanted kids and I didn't. So when I started here, I got a few friends that are younger at work. And I've noticed that they're so stressed out that they have to find a girlfriend. Since I work with guys, they have to find a girlfriend. They have to buy a house and they have to have kids. It's a list they have to tick off. And I've never noticed that in Sweden. The outcome of our conversation with Lovisa is that both Penny and I want to move to Sweden. One of the things I found interesting about Dr. Bronwyn's research was how people thought they were perceived versus how they were actually perceived. And one of the things that we've talked about quite extensively is how I've never felt that anyone perceived me negatively because I didn't have children. That could be because I already, you know, have the legitimacy, let's call it, of being in a marriage. You know, that's automatically gives me one box that I've ticked. But at the same time, a lot of people do 
feel that they're being judged and maybe that's why they're deciding to have children at some point. Just be clear for me. So you're saying that you're married and you ticked a box, so that meant that you had some acceptance, but you decided not to have children. Did you feel? Never. Which is interesting because we know a lot of stories anecdotally where married people definitely have a lot of pressure and get the the day after the wedding or the day of the wedding, they're like, when are you going to have kids? You've made the comment that you ticked the box when you got married. I'm not married and I feel very much that... I went to university, I went traveling, I you know found my work and then the next box would be to to get married. I haven't ticked that box. So I have felt, well, I'm stagnant. I'm not moving forward because I'm not haven't got married and I'm not having children. So everything just seemed to be, what am I doing here? What is my purpose? Hey, Penny, what shit has come up on your feed this week? Well, actually, Joe, I was watching uh, on ABC a story that came up talking about something that the federal treasurer was doing. So he wants Australians to have more babies in a bid to battle the country's economic COVID slump. So at the National Press Club, Treasurer Josh Frydenberg said population growth was an integral part of Australia's economic development. And I won't go as far as to say, like Peter Costello, one for the mother, one for the father and one for the country. But I can say that people should feel encouraged about the future. And the more children that we have across the country together with our migration, we will build a population growth and that will be good for the economy. Wow. So I listened to this and I was thinking... So what you're doing is creating this divide where those who are having kids are doing the right thing and you're helping us and those of us who are not are failing our economic growth. (laughs) That's what it made me feel. It's okay. We'll just keep working and building the economy our own way. Are we not paying our taxes? Are we not paying probably... You guys as a a dinky, you know, your dinks, double income, no kids, are providing more tax. And depending on what tax bracket, we're giving more tax. So we're providing plenty enough. Yeah, I think it's just one of those throwaway, well, not quite throwaway, but let's call it that. It was pretty serious. Yeah, it is pretty serious. And as you said, Peter Costello said that in the early 2000s. I think it was the early 2000s. Great, let's have three kids. And I think that we still have a society where 75% of people do have children. So he is speaking to the majority. But as you said, it's another way of dividing people. I wonder what our listeners think about that. So that's shit that came up on our feed this week. There's always something, isn't there, Penny? (laughs) There is always something. <laughs> What's our question of the week this week, Penny? This week's question is in line with the, the conversation we've been having. Um, and I want to know when you decided or when you knew that you weren't going to have children, whether you were child free by choice and you knew at a, a young, much younger age. And if it was grey for you as you were childless by circumstance, did you know? Yeah, so you can do that over at Unright Community on Facebook or you can drop us an email, hellounright at gmail.com. And that brings us to the close of another episode, Joe. It sure does, Penny. Thanks so much for this week. We'll see you next time. We'd like you to join us on our Facebook page, which is Unripe Community. And if you're childless or child-free and from Australia or New Zealand, you're welcome to join our private group, which you'll find a link to on the Facebook page. 
We're also on Instagram as Unripe Community. If you want to share a story or let us know what topics you'd like to hear more about, please drop us an email at hellounripe at gmail.com. Our website is where you'll find out a bit more about us. Go to unripecommunity.com.au. 